Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. My name's Catherine Carl, and this is Season 3 of Relatively. Um. <laughs> the podcast all about potentially the longest relationships of your life. I'll be bringing siblings together to talk about the connections they have as adults, as well as what it was like growing up together. Was I ever angry at that? Or I think you were, but we just didn't listen. I think because you were the third child, mum was like, I'll help you find it, worry about it. This week, we're talking to model Louise Boyce of Mama Still Got It fame and her little brother, George. (laughs) Yeah, so we used to do that in the car for hours. (laughs) But I'll also talk to them separately to get a more private take on the relationship. <laughs> I think she thinks that because I'm the youngest and the boy or something that um, I get kind of special treatment. I guess we did kind of terrorise him as a kid. I remember my sister and I used to strip him naked and hide his clothes. Oh, what? <laughs> and in a new twist, I'll be delving a little further back with the help of our sponsors, Find My Past, the family history experts. I find it fascinating. I really do. It's crazy. Brothers and sisters are never straightforward. Middle child Louise and baby brother George grew up in London with older sister Bonnie and their mum. Subjected to loving abuse by the girls, George nonetheless turned out fine, championing both sisters in their careers and even helping out with Louise's very early modelling days. Both siblings came to the rescue when the 1990s side zero obsession in fashion led to tough times for Louise, who found the industry harsh. We talk about all of that, about singing in the car and how George helped Louise find a husband by accident. But George started by describing some very specific childhood games. They used to play games that kind of on the surface looked like they were trying to include me in, but actually they were just very cunning. Mum was always like, you have to include him. So we were like, okay, we're going to have to work this in our favour. And we were very, very conniving and scheming because we used to play schools. And they made me feel really included and excited by making me the headmistress. It's a very important part in this role play that we're playing he was like okay great and we were like you sit in the room at the top of the house and you wait there until one of us is really naughty (laughs) and i'd go upstairs and wait wait for uh naughty children to come up and and he just sat there for hours just waiting just waiting for one of us to say oh we've been really naughty at school but he literally sat there for hours then he came downstairs i think literally like three or four hours later being like What's going on? We're like, oh, well, we've, moved on to, we've moved on to another game now. And he was like, all oh, right. <laughs> oh, the poor guy. Yeah. And you were waiting in your fictitious office for something, some action. I did, yeah. Excited and ready to go. Just games like that. I feel like I was sort of abused with love, I think, from my, my two older sisters. I think he describes it as sort of loving abuse, is what he <laughs> Which I'm not sure are two words which really go together bit. anyway. No, maybe not. Maybe not. Bless him. Oh. 
And I remember dressing him up a lot as a girl. I remember being um, like, I really want another younger sister. I dressed him up a lot and bless him, he went along with it. I mean, <laughs> he was dressed as a woman <laughs> more, than, more than any little boy should have been. Um, and I think you, you, you both wanted like a, probably a little sister. Yeah, I remember saying I wanted a lot. I did dress you up as a girl once. Yeah. And I don't know if you remember this, but dad was like, oh, he's your friend. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I was like, "That's your son." He was like, "Oh shit!" He must have known. No, he didn't know. He saw you from the back. Well, and he was like, "Hello, yeah. <laughs> who's your mate?" <laughs> George, you described a lot of your treatment, and I did tell Louise this as a small boy with two older sisters as quotes loving abuse, <laughs> which yeah. with all the sort of them yeah. taking. They used to take your clothes and hide them and leave you running around naked. Do you they remember did. this or is this going to send you straight to some expensive yeah. therapy? No, they would also, like, I remember being quite into my naps and um, they wouldn't allow that. <laughs> like, I would sort of go and have a little lie down or, you know, or maybe just go to bed, you know, normal bedtime. And then they'd come in and I'd just open my eyes uh, and lock, just lock them open for as long as possible until I woke up. I'm so sorry. And then... <laughs> And then I guess, I think, yeah, I realised I was naked. Um, <laughs> I don't really remember if I ever reacted. Like, was I ever angry at that? Or I think you were, but we just didn't listen. I think because you were the third child, mum was like, oh, I'll be fine, don't worry about it. And what kind of a little, bro- what kind of a little brother was George in the early years? In the early years, I remember him being really annoying. I think because he was the youngest and the boy, you know, I definitely sensed that he was getting more attention than I was. I definitely have middle child syndrome without realising that I had it. (laughs) How would you define middle child syndrome? Because I'm one, but nearly every middle child I meet has a slightly different take. What's your take? Well, quite creative, but maybe because I wanted to get attention, maybe as a child, who knows? I guess growing up, I was always the, the, the known to be the quiet one, or maybe I was just shushed a lot more. I don't know. I just kind of feel like with having an older sister and a younger brother, you're just kind of stuck in the middle mm. um, as the other the other girl. <laughs> the other one. <laughs> identity <laughs> The other one. Yeah. <laughs> she would say that she has a little bit of middle child syndrome. I'm not really sure what that is, but um, <laughs> I think she thinks that because I'm the youngest and the boy or something that um, I get kind of special treatment from our mum and she always gets a bit wound up by that. <laughs> Although I think, I, d- I don't think it's true. She she just likes to point it out sometimes. She's like, oh, see, there you go again. <laughs> <laughs> when, whenever George does anything in the family that's just normal, mum will always be like, oh, George, it's just amazing. <laughs> and like George and I would just look at each other and like, fuck's sake so I just want to give like two examples the first was I have a podcast and I've had it for a couple of years and I would send mum links saying this is my latest podcast have a listen have a listen which of course she never did George was a guest on a podcast and she put in our whatsapp chat oh George is on a podcast everyone listen I was like (laughs) mum are you kidding me and another great example and there are loads but these two that stick out for me the other one was um, our grandfather passed away. And at the time, my sister was living in Australia. I was living in New York and George was living in the UK. Obviously, my sister and I both flew over. Very expensive. But obviously, we got last minute tickets. And George was traveling back from a festival in Bristol. And my mum was like, oh, 
George, all the effort he's putting into it. And my sister and I were like, you've got to be kidding me. So the fact that George is the only boy, I think he absolutely loves because he gets away with everything. I don't even realise. Yeah, I don't, I don't even realize. <laughs> I'm probably not, not aware of it. But um, yeah, it's good fun. It must it's be. very real, mm. George. Blue-eyed boy. Def- <laughs> definitely. I don't know if you feel like that, Catherine, being a middle child, but it's always like Bonnie's first the firstborn and then you know i'm just the other girl that came along and then it's like our first son it works though i think it works for whom yeah for who i think think everyone everyone gets a lot out of your middle child syndrome do they that's great so describe what your childhood was like a little bit growing up you three in london what kind of childhood did you guys have I actually have very fond memories of my childhood. Mum made everything fun and a lot, and we didn't really have any money growing up. So I think what we used to do was just drive around in the car a lot and listen to music. And we did drive a lot to Bournemouth and Bristol to visit the grandparents. My mum used to be a singer, so she used to sing to every single song and harmonise with every single song, which as a child, after a while, it got really boring and annoying. And I remember opening up the windows that used to wind down and just sticking my head out like a dog just to get away from the noise. Wow. Yeah. I uh, I do remember those journeys. We got pretty good at it, I think. We, we sort of practised, didn't we? Like, oh, we did hit the road jack as well. Yeah, we did. We used to practise in the car we and do s- harmonies. Yeah. But there was nothing else to do, really. Mum would, like, she'd be driving and she'd just start with a note, like, ooh, and then just sort of turn to one of us and point as if to say, like, you, you go next and add add to it. And then, and then eventually, let's play that game. Let's play that game. So if I say, okay, you start, Catherine. (laughs) Yeah, so you used to do that in the car for hours. (laughs) I want to fit right. (laughs) (laughs) You should try it with your kids instead of giving them the iPad on a long Uh, journey. I I have actually tried, but they look at me like I'm mental. There was a song that we loved. Um, now I know that it's called Run Around Sue. I can't remember who the artist is, but we used to call it Hurt Hurt because it starts off going hurt, hurt. So we always could, Mommy, can you put on Hurt Hurt? And, and we still today call it, call it Hurt Hurt. Um, but we're quite a musical family anyway, so I guess there was always going to be music. In the always harmonising on the way to Bournemouth. Always. When do you think you guys became proper friends? That kind of happens with siblings. You can be kind of rubbing along together and annoying each other and then all all of a sudden everything makes sense if it goes well and you become relevant and interesting to each other. When did that happen for you guys? Um, I think, well, with Louise, I think we've always always been friends. We've always had the same humour, I think. Uh, And we've helped each other out a bit. I think when we were younger, we used to play a lot with... Our, um, a camcorder and I would be the, the videographer and she would be in front of the camera. Yeah, we did. And it's mad because now that's turned into our careers. Mum's got these uh, old camcorder tapes of when George and I used to pretend that I was a news reporter <laughs> or I was on Blue Peter. And they're hilarious. But at the time, we didn't realise that they were hilarious. We used to impersonate Blue Peter and we'd always have these sort of things that she'd made earlier. <laughs> it was just a lot of nonsense most of the time. Did you have sticky um, back plastic though? Because that was always like a dream item that no one really had. We had loads of that, loads of sticky back plastic. <laughs> we never called it sellotape. <laughs> yeah, and I don't, I can't even remember what we what we made. It was just like, 
bits of paper just stuck to each other. I mean, I used to do that. And here's one I made earlier. And I would literally have made something earlier and just kind of bring it from out of the table. Like, ta-da! <laughs> uh, I have to find the videos. They, they were brilliant, actually. We had lots of fun doing that. So was it quite obvious from camcorder mucking around days that um, Louise looked good in front of the camera and that that was going to be something that she could pursue? She's definitely loved being in front of a camera. She enjoys being silly. She's always enjoyed that. I think we're quite similar in that way, although I'm not very good on camera. I choose to be behind it. Yeah. I mean, you have to enjoy it to be good at it. Otherwise, it just looks dreadful. And she clearly is really comfortable being silly and being serious. It kind of works both ways. She is. It's a lot of fun. And to be honest, I was never really into her her mum has still got it thing to begin with. I was sort of the wrong the wrong audience. But now I now I do follow and I think a lot of the stuff she does is, is very funny. And I can relate to a lot of it. It's kind of born out of our our sort of childhood silly times, I think. There's a lot of inspiration from that yeah. from that, that time. I do remember and George can't remember this, that we had mum's camcorder and he started to like unscrew everything and get take everything out. And I was like, what are you doing? He was like, well, I just need to fix it. And I was like, but you don't know what you're doing. And then he just kind of left it. And uh, I think that was the end of using the camcorder. So when she was modelling um, in her sort of late teens, early 20s, I guess, it wasn't always a lovely experience for her. She's written about it, so I'm not springing anything on anybody. But she was you know, like a lot of models at the time, sort of tall and skinny and told to get skinnier. And it wasn't a very happy episode. It wasn't. She she wasn't happy during that time. She tried so hard as well. I think that was that was what was what really kind of ruined the, the idea of, of being a model for her. Like she worked so hard. She was going to cast things all the time. She used to take me along. It's nice to carry her A to Z before <laughs> smartphones and everything. And I'd sort of wait outside while she was... While she was doing the casting, she was just getting knocked down all the time for um, not being skinny enough. You know, every week my hips were measured and if they weren't a certain number on the measuring tape, you were sent home and you were told to come back in a week's time with two inches gone or whatever. It was ridiculous. And I do remember this one time very, very vividly. I was 16 and I was in the studio and the fashion stylist kind of pointed me out and just went, that one there, she's fat. I wanted the ground to swallow me up and spit me out somewhere else. And and the thing is, I wasn't even angry at her. I was like, I kind of, I was angry at myself. I was like, it's my fault. I need to do better. I need to be thinner. Um, and then she also refused to call me by my name she refused to call me Louise she was like no you don't look like a Louise you look like an Amanda so for the entire shoot she called me fat Amanda it was just a horrible moment what's her address (laughs) I'm not letting out I'm not saying I mean I know her name and and I'm not I'm not saying who it is just write it down for me This season of Relatively is sponsored by Find My Past, the online home of the 1921 census. In 1921, life in England and Wales could be tough, but there are lots of examples of humour in the census records. Constance Bernard Fitzhammond listed her three young children's occupations as getting into mischief and getting into more mischief, and for her 11-month-old baby, occupying feeding bottles. Did your grandparents add a quirky note when they completed the census? View the record itself at findmypass.co.uk to find out. 
Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. When do you think you and George became proper friends? You know, with siblings, you're kind of sibling, sibling, siblings. And then all of a sudden one day you're like, oh, this is really fun. Your friends are fun and my friends are fun. And we like hanging out in this choicey way rather than obligation way. I think I moved to Sydney when I was 17. So he was 13. And back then I didn't have an email address. And, you know, being in Sydney was, you know, other side of the world. And George and I used to write to each other. And it was really nice. And he would really open up in these letters. And it was obviously when he was going through puberty. Mm. And I remember him saying in one of the letters that he was given condoms at a sex education something or other. And mum found them. And mum was absolutely like, why have you got these? (laughs) And he wrote this in a letter. And it made me think, he's growing up. And, you know, we can talk more about these sort of things. Mm. So that was kind of the first time I thought, actually, he's quite cool. I remember missing Louise a lot. We used to be pen pals. We were pen pals. Yeah, we yeah. wrote to each other. Yeah. Yeah, I've still got those letters somewhere. We wrote to each other. What, I mean, what year was that? You, 98, you were like... I came back. I turned 18 <clears> in Australia. I, I had read about that, but the bit of the story which I hadn't appreciated was how far away from home you were. And that makes my heart break a little bit. Like a, a young girl yeah. without the support of, you know, family and Mm. all of that, being told these messages and trying to... Mm. George sort of said he could see you trying and trying and trying to keep up and it wasn't working. It must have been... No, it wasn't. Really? It was a a really horrible time. It was a really... It wasn't nice. And I would hate for any teenager to go through what I went through. And I was. I was really far away from home. I did feel all alone. When I flew back from Australia... George and my whole family were there at the airport um, and they were all crying. And I thought, this is weird. Like, what's going on? Why are they all so upset? And then, but then my sister was very much like, what are you doing to yourself? Because you look awful. I think they were crying because they were like, who is this person that's just arrived off the plane? Like, we don't recognise her. Mm. You know, I, I I was a shell of myself. I had literally no confidence And, you know, like I had like calluses on my knuckles from where I'd been shoving my hand down my throat. And, you know, like everything about me would just look, you are unhealthy. They saw that. And, you know, to be fair, it was my family who made me realise it's time to stop. You can't do this anymore. Um, I didn't, you know, I didn't have any therapy. I didn't, you know, I just did it with them. Mm. I knew that they were there. And they they really wanted me to get better, yeah. um, and it, you know, and it, it did. It helped. Louise was not happy with the way her career was going, and I don't think she was happy with herself and her body and the knocks that she was getting from the modelling world. 
Mm. And you got a job with MGM. Yeah, I quit, didn't I? And I got an office you job. You quit modelling, yeah, you got an office job. And I remember, I really enjoyed that those times. What, when I was miserable? No, well, when, <laughs> when you when you sort of decided to, to you know, forget modelling for yeah. a while. I just felt a lease of new life. Uh, I had a job where I wasn't judged on how I looked, just judged on my work. Oh, yeah, and we got a job <laughs> together in a cafe. Yeah, that was awesome. Yeah, we, we worked I together. I loved that. That was yeah. brilliant. We worked in a cafe you know, made coffees and made sandwiches, and it was great. We never knew, neither of us knew what an avocado was. No, we, never, um, no, we didn't know what it was. We'd like, can, people would ask us for an avocado, <laughs> like, you know, sandwich or something, and we'd be like, do you know how to... What's do, that? Do you know how to do... can even Google it. Do you cut it up? <laughs> or what do you do with this? <laughs> and then uh, we, we saw her be herself, and then she became a, a plus-size model, and it was just perfect for her because she... She was being herself and she was so much happier. I think at the time, the industry was was only just starting to embrace plus-size models and Louise was right at the forefront of that. I think she was the first plus-size plus model to headline Milan Fashion Week. Like There was, there was a lot of game-changing moments in the industry going on, which, which Louise was a part of. Bless him! Oh. <laughs> I didn't even think that he knew that! <laughs> So back in 2000, when I started, it wasn't as well known as it is now. There was a part of me that felt a little bit like, I don't know if I can tell anyone about this. Like, am I embarrassed about this? I've been told for the last five years to lose weight. Now I'm being told that it's okay to put it on. You don't have to starve yourself. And I kind of felt a bit like, okay, where am I exactly? But I knew that I was going in the right direction and I knew that I was happier and I knew that I was proud and I knew that I could represent women that had curves it felt like I was like shedding all this old skin of rejection and trying to fit in and being told no and you're this and you're that and it was a real moment for me and that's really sweet that he remembered that bless yeah. him oh Aww. yeah he would have I mean oh my gosh he, he's very very proud of you <laughs> like ridiculously Aww. proud of you Aww, that's lovely I'm so proud of him as well I mean it's not only that like actually the work that she does, and I know this a bit from being, I'm a content creator myself, a videographer, and she's amazing. She's her own agency. She's the talent. She's the the filmmaker, and she does it all, and, and she manages to keep up a really high standard of entertainment. Yeah, um, I don't I don't know how she does it. I'm, I'm genuinely really impressed. But God, yeah, I can't and- believe I'm saying this. No, <laughs> you're not one for compliments, George, for your sister. No, no, I've told her this before. I, I'm, it, it is, you know, hats off to her and to her, my other sister as well. She started up her own business. Both my sisters done very well. It must be because I've got such a great young brother. I think it probably is. There's probably a yeah. study somewhere that shows that. <laughs> but then I think really in 2007, when he came back from travelling around the world, um, he moved in with me. And that was when we started hanging out more. We would go to festivals together. We would go to gigs together. We'd go for dinner together. We'd, our, our friends would hang out together. He fancied my friends. I fancied his friends. And we kind of realised, actually, we get on really well. And our humour is very, very similar. I feel very lucky that I have siblings that I really get on with yeah. brilliantly. It's not a given. Yeah. You realise that when you're older, no. don't you? You think, oh, okay. Yeah, you really do, yeah. 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 She she calls me Captain Braddock, um, which uh, comes from a, an old hear no evil, see no evil film. And basically there's this moment where 
uh, Richard Pryor turns to this guy and he says, Captain Braddock, you're a dickhead. And it, for some reason, it just makes us laugh. And so from that day forward, I just called him Braddock or Captain Braddock, so much so that when he flew in somewhere from a job, um, I got a taxi for him and I got the taxi driver to hold up a sign that said Captain Braddock. But the driver was like, so you're a captain? <laughs> My brother was like, no. And what's your nickname for her? Or do you have one? Um, not like that. I'll just call her Wheezy. Yeah, I don't know. It's just it's just silly banter. And that's what I love about George and my sister and myself is you put us in a room and the silliness that comes out of our mouths is just we could talk and laugh for hours. That's why I love hanging out with them. They're like, they're like a tonic. No, they really are. This podcast is partly about stories in the family. So your nuclear family story between you and George and your other sister and your mum and your dad and all of those. But also because Find My Past is sponsoring this season, we've asked their genealogists to look into the longer story of your family. So I've got, very excitingly, one, two, three, four pages of research. Oh my God. What size font? (laughs) (laughs) No, I can't read it all out because that would be a whole podcast series on its own but the names that you gave them I think there's scope to go really far back which is not something I can do here so the the stories that they looked at were about your great-grandfather so that's Thomas Beaumont Wandsborough oh yes okay so he was a great traveler and when he wasn't in Bristol he was traveling on ships all over the world do you know any places that he might have been I don't know where he went but his wife my, our mm. great-grandmother had one of the first um, camcorders like back in the day. And she, we've got footage of them being on ships and traveling oh, yeah, all over and, the place. And, and, but and I don't know. Yeah, but I don't, where did they go? America. So he, he did go to America. He also went to Egypt and he went to Indonesia. Wow. So in 1925, wow. he'd been in Surabaya, Indonesia as a medical student. Wow. Um, and there's a passenger list link which I can send you so you can see who else was on board with him oh my god it's so it's so cool and in 1935 he and Ellen Francis Wandsworth yes that's that's who we call gag okay they arrive back in the UK from New York and he's by this point a doctor and they live in Clifton in Bristol but also on board are two professional golfers and the Whitcomb brothers professional golfers for England and their cabins were very near each other Oh, this is good. You've gone deep. It's really, honestly, it's really good. Um, So I'll have a look there. Also, I should say, um, your great-great-grandmother, Catherine J. Beaumont, is a family for which there is an extensive line. Um, And I quote the Find My Past researchers, we could produce a rather significant tree, which is rare. Mm. Oh, I find it fascinating. I really do. Especially, yeah, obviously, because back then there was no computers to even log any of this. It was just all handwritten. It's crazy. And speaking of good stories, isn't there a good one about how um, you met your husband, Jesse Louise, and the part that George played? Yeah, so George was obviously away travelling for a year. He kept saying that he kept bumping into this guy called Jesse. This guy was, well, still is, a very handsome man. Let's say he was cleaning up with uh, some of the sort of girl travellers that, that we'd meet. And Jesse had a blog. And I saw a picture of Jesse in this blog and I was like, oh, he's really hot. And I thought nothing of it. You know, they're on the other side of the world travelling. I didn't even know if Jesse was English. I didn't have a clue. 
back in London, it turned out that we've got very similar friends and it was just meant to be, something was meant to be for me and this guy. Then he stayed over one night when I was living with my sister. So when I woke up the next morning, George had gone and it was just me and Jesse in the house. And I did the classic, you know, oh, I, I, I woke up like this and looked absolutely phenomenal. <laughs> like the beginning um, of Bridesmaids. In a very natural way, you know, push. Exactly. Like completely. Oh, this is. Yeah, exactly. Like Bridesmaids. A few days passed and uh, Jesse asked me if he could go out with my sister. Mm. I had flashbacks of all those times we were traveling and, and this beautiful man uh, and who the did so travelers. well with, with the ladies, yeah, uh, just sort of ca- came up in my memory and I was like, whoa, 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 okay. Yeah, okay, you can go out with my sister, yes, as long as you marry her. Uh, <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. He was like, that's my sister, you don't mess her around. George said to me and to Jesse in privately in separate, separate conversations, do not have sex with her. <laughs> And George was like, I'm just worried that I could lose a friend. Mm -hmm. And I said, yeah, but what if this is the man I'm supposed to be with? And he was like, no, he was like, I just can't see it happening. And anyway, he was wrong. So on our first date, Jesse and I fell asleep. (laughs) I came back early from work or something and the place, it was a mess. There was like the sofa was kind of on its side. (laughs) Um, there was clothes everywhere. I mean, it was a real scene. And he comes into my room and Jesse hid under the duvet. <laughs> I opened the door and I heard, you know, some whispers or like, I mean, they were just, they were so obvious. <laughs> it was like, quick, shut like <laughs> Sort of thing, which you didn't need to do, but it was just because you were trying to hide from me. I, was, I think I was a bit like, what are you... God, do you think I'm an idiot or something? Like, well, you didn't know at first. It's only when you saw his shoes and you're like, Jesse, I know you're under the covers. No, I think I knew straight away. Oh, okay. Just okay. as soon as I came in the door, you could you could tell that something had gone on there. Yeah. <laughs> but we didn't have sex. That's not true. Fact, we didn't have sex. Well, why was the sofa upside down? I don't know. <laughs> Heavy petting, maybe. You know. <laughs> yes. No, it's and- cool. So you could say that that my involvement had you know helped. Absolutely. With your, your, like, beautiful, constantly blossoming relationship. Yeah, I think so. That's why we named our eldest after you. Yeah. Oh, it's beautiful. Thank you to Louise and to George. You can follow Louise on Instagram at Mama's Still Got It and you won't regret it. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe start a bit lower. I'd also like to say a huge thank you to our sponsors for this season of Relatively, Find My Past, for digging into their extraordinary records and uncovering the surprising and often revelatory family stories, some of which you've heard today. Find My Past is the only place online where you can access the 1921 census. So if you want to start your family tree or add colour to what you know already, then findmypast.co.uk is the place to do it. Next week, author Kit Duval and her brother Dean on working together, growing up as mixed-race kids in working-class Birmingham and living with deeply unpredictable parents. Thank you to Tanita Tickerham for letting us use her amazing song. This is a Pocket production and the sound design is by Nick Carter at mixsonics.com. There's a good tradition of love and hate Staying by the fireside There's a good 
tradition of love and hate Stand by the fireside and the rain may fall Your father's calling you You still feel safe inside Only your ma's too proud Your brother's ignoring you You still feel safe inside oh, Was it solo? Was it yesterday? Was it true for you? Cause while all the rest have taken time Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.